thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bible, to open it with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I started, before my father showed up, I started on a series entitled Faith to Change Your World. And I'm going to continue on that tonight. And we started, this is a tough text to avoid if you're going to talk about faith. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Mark the 11th chapter, the 20th verse. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree Jesus had cursed, the disciples noticed it had been withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the fig tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. They were amazed. Most people don't think faith works. They think it's a waste of time. It might be some little supplement to add, but really it doesn't help that much. It's all going to be luck of the draw. Whatever will be, will be. Whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. We can't control life. So when Jesus told that fig tree, and he cursed it, said, May nobody ever bear fruit from you again. They walked by it, and Peter said, oh my goodness, that healthy fig tree that you cursed is now withered up from the root. Jesus said to the disciples, everybody say to the disciples. So most people, if they do understand faith, which we dealt with earlier in the week, most don't. If you bring up the subject of faith, like if we walked down the street of Rowlett right now and talked about faith with people, said, I want to talk to you about faith. They go, oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm Methodist. I'm Assemblies of God. I'm Episcopalian. Faith for people, because of the U.S. Census form, is a box you check. Protestant, Catholic, other. Faith, something you join. Make your first communion, and you check the box, and you're done. But Jesus showed, number one, that faith is not just something for salvation. It's not a religion you join. It's a living power drawn from the living Word of God that produces living proof in real life. Number two, once you use it to get saved, because the Bible says, by grace are ye saved through faith. So he goes, why do you think faith's so important? These guys, all they talk about is faith. Well, number one, you can't get saved without faith. Number two, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if those things are true, and they are, then that's a subject worth exploring, is faith. So then if people do understand a little bit about faith, they know about getting saved. Amen, I got saved. Oh, faith. Yes, I'm a born-again Christian. But that after you get saved, your faith has more use. Because otherwise, Jesus, wanted, Jesus wasn't talking to, to people that were outside of him. He was talking to his own disciples. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, be thou lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it will obey your command. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you the truth. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, not believe that you will receive it. Well, I'm, I'm believing. No, you don't, you're not believing for something to happen. You believe that it's done the moment you've asked God. Can you say Amen. You call it done. My, my grandfather used to close his prayers like that, and he's not the only one. They'd close and say, we receive it and call it done by faith. It's done. The Bible says, before you call, I'll answer you. 
24. I tell you the truth, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it shall be yours. If you believe that you have received it, past tense, not that you're receiving it, not that one day you're going to receive it. If you believe that once you turned your faith loose, you've received what your faith went out for, then it's yours. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. This will make it a little clearer to you. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel 10, verse 10. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you're very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding, and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I was sent with the answer to your prayer. But did he receive it on day one? No. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time that is yet to come. The first day that Daniel prayed, an angel was sent with the answer. But he didn't get it on day one. He got it on day 21. Not because God's being slow. That's what a lot of you have been taught. Not at this church because this is a good church. But if you come from other backgrounds, they start making a doctrine out of the delay. I mean, no, God's all about the process and it's in the waiting. No, it's not God that's slow. It's there's forces of darkness that are aligned to hinder what God sent to you. But as Daniel persevered in fasting and prayer, God released more angelic help. And on day 21, he received the answer. But I want you to see that. Believing that you have received, you will have. People pray, and if it hasn't happened in one day, sometimes in three minutes, someone will get hands laid on them and on their way out of the auditorium. Well, I guess tonight wasn't my night. How about giving it till the parking lot? Hasn't been 21 days, hasn't been 21 minutes. How much better would it be if you lifted your hands and said, thank you, Father, that I've received. Thank you that your power is working mightily in me. Thank you that you heard me when I called, and I have my answer by faith in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? So that's why it's not the only opposite of faith is not fear. Because fear is the opposite of faith. It's one of the opposites. But the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by and not by. So not only is fear contrasted with faith, sight is contrasted by faith. When you pray for a growth on your neck that everybody can see or have it prayed for, and it's bigger the next day, yet that's difficult because your eyes are screaming at you. This ain't working. It looks worse. How many of you have ever seen my Uncle Ted, uh, my dad that was here, his oldest brother, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr.? You know, one time early in his ministry, he had a growth on his neck that was bleeding and had other stuff running out of it that was up over his shirt collar. And he's at a minister's meeting as a healing minister and a faith preacher. And he'd have people say, what's, what's that on your neck? You know what he said? Because he'd already committed it to prayer. That's Jesus' tumor. And they would just squint and walk away. 
What was he saying? He wasn't saying Jesus put that on me. He was saying I already gave that thing to Christ. And he said apparently Jesus didn't like me telling people that because it was deflated and gone within three days. Can you say amen? You don't go. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, it looked like nothing happened. It took 24 hours. But in 24 hours, that thing was dead. The power of God doesn't deal with things on the outside in. It deals with things on the inside out. And that's why the devil goes to war. What if Daniel would have said on day seven? Well, if it was going to work, it would worked by now. Well, sometimes we don't understand God's plan. No, he knew that God would give him the answer, and he persevered. It was the devil holding things up, but as he stood in faith, every demonic blockage of his answer had to clear out. And I'm telling you, God hasn't changed. Tonight, every demonic blockage against you, against your family, it is clearing out by faith for the people of God in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you receive that. Go ahead and do what you're already doing. Take 15 good seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Somebody shout hallelujah. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, and I'm going to have you guys put this up in the Amplified Classic. I'm going to read it out of the New Living. Romans chapter 4. This is one of the great faith passages in the Bible. Romans 4.16. So the promise is received by faith. I know that sounds simple, but I want you to say it to really get it in your spirit. Say the promise is received by faith. If Pastor Ryan has my Bible, that's my Bible. That belongs to me, but I don't have it. I have to do something to receive that, which in this case would be walking about uh, a step in three quarters and taking it out of his hands. If you have money in your bank account, (laughs) I got money in my bank account, and I want to use my bank card, and it wouldn't work. And I checked, and there's plenty of money in there, but I had to call because they said, we think someone stole your card. Because there's been these purchases. I told you about taking my dad out for Father's Day. When I told you I blessed him, I mean, I blessed him like it was somebody else's credit card. Can you say amen? I said, no, that's my purchase. What about this one? That's also my purchase. They said, wow. I said, yeah, I took my dad out for Father's Day. They said, that's great. I said, I know. It's the least I can do. They had to attend several parent-teacher conferences that were called just for me. That's a true story. They changed the ages of children's church to kick me out of children's church. When I got, children's church was first through sixth grade. When I got into fifth grade, they made it first through fourth. When I got into seventh, they changed it back to first through sixth. That's a fancy way of kicking you out. Can you say amen? So I owe them a lot more than that, and I'll make it up to them the best I can this side of glory. So I have that money, but if I don't know how to access that money, that money does me no good. Do you know you have? The Bible says all these great and precious promises that are yours in the Bible. But number one, what you don't know about, you'll never have. That's why people, a minister that's a good minister, doesn't just teach, just, doesn't just pray for people. How come we don't just cut to the chase? We get out of here an hour, uh, two hours earlier. Just say everybody wants prayer, line up, pray. Because the word unlocks what's yours. There was a day where you were on your way to hell. And someone told you from the Bible, you don't have to go to hell. Jesus came and purchased your salvation. And you received that by faith. There was a day you didn't know healing belonged to you. In fact, I'll play it now. There was a lady 
that I went down to Florida. How many of you were here the night we played that 97-pound woman that was dying that got, got raised up? She gave that testimony in the morning. Then I flew to Venice, Florida to begin Sunday night through Friday night at Pastor Tom Lapley's church. And a lady was there and asked if she, her, her husband, with tears in his eyes, said, you should let my wife tell you what happened to her. So she was watching me on Daystar. She was a Bible college graduate, but she had been taught in her particular uh, uh, fellowship, healing's not for today. God chooses who he heals and who he doesn't heal. And so she had no resistance. You know, if you, if you don't know what God's will is for you, then you'll never have any resistance about what's happening in life. I resist poverty with every fiber of my being because I know God's will's not poverty. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I resist sickness with every fiber of my being. You know, my daughter was watching TV. We went for a walk. I was taking her out for ice cream or something. And she, I guess because of all the commercials on TV, she said, Dad, what's cancer? And I got ready to explain because they're advertising on TV all the time. So I got ready to explain to her what cancer was. And as I got about the first three syllables out of my mouth, maybe like a word and a half, I thought, I'm not telling you. I said, don't worry about it. You'll never have it because by his stripes, I was healed. All my sicknesses and diseases were laid on Christ Jesus, and it's illegal for the devil to lay on me what's already been laid on Christ Jesus. If you believe that, can you say aloud, amen? amen. But if you don't know that, Hosea 4.6, we're in Texas, probably 75, 80% of the crowd will quote this. I'll just give you the first part. My people are destroyed for... They're not destroyed because of demons. They're destroyed because they don't know what's theirs. The shield of faith quenches how many of the fiery darts of the devil? Oh, not 90%, not 80%. That's why if I were you, I'd resist any kind of teaching about, we don't know why some things happened. Yes, the Bible says we can be healed, but at the same time, at the same time, nothing. The shield of faith quenches all, not some, not most, not all but one. The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the devil. But faith begins where the word of God is known. If you think God works through sickness, then you're going to have a big hole in your shield of faith because there's no resistance to sickness and people teach that people teach that God teaches through car accidents or cancer or problems it was in that time uh, when I had cancer that I really learned to trust God that's great that you took that time to learn to trust God but God doesn't teach through cancer he teaches through his word God listen now God doesn't teach through destruction God teaches through instruction his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path there's no lesson God has to teach you that he can't teach you out of his word I don't have to get a divorce to learn how to be a good husband I can learn about it out of the word of God can you say amen I don't have to get arrested to press into God. I can press into God as a preacher's kid at five years old. Now, sometimes God will take what the devil meant for bad and use it for good. Yeah, the devil gets somebody locked up in prison for 20 years, and they start crying out to God and asking him to use them. That's God taking what the devil meant to destroy and using it instead where the person turns to God. But it wasn't God's will for that person to rob a liquor store or to commit domestic violence, or whatever they did to get locked up, or drunk drive. So you don't ever, God doesn't work through evil. James chapter 1, God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. That means he never changes. Everybody say, my God never changes. 
And I like this testimony so much because I never prayed for this lady. She's paralyzed from the neck down and found me on Daystar. You'll hear her testify yourself. The only thing that changed is hearing that it's not up to God whether you want to be healed or not. You can choose that if God had his way, you'd be healed. You'll hear her say, that made sense to me. Because I always thought it doesn't make sense that God would pick some to be sick and some to be well. And she was right. And the second that turned around in her belief system, watch what happened. Now listen to what she has. Severe muscular dystrophy. Did you know your diaphragm that you use to exhale air is a muscle? So when muscular dystrophy starts breaking down your muscles, you actually can't exhale enough carbon dioxide and you start getting carbon dioxide poisoning. This lady's in a wheelchair, can't move from the neck down and on, on a ventilator because she can't breathe. She had already made out her will. So this faith that I'm talking about, that's why I started with you can say to the mountain. Faith is not a coping mechanism. Faith is a mountain moving force. Many times in church, they teach faith is a life raft as you go through the storms of life. I mean, no, we go through storms, but Jesus is with us in the storms. Okay, I'll give you that. But what did Jesus do in the only storm he was in? Put his arms around the disciples and brew some tea and say, stay close to me. We're going to make it. Whenever, we don't know why storms come, disciples, but we'll just wait in the storm and when God sees fit. No, that's not what he did. The same Jesus that spoke to the fig tree spoke to the wind and waves and rebuked them and said, peace be still. And instantly in the Aramaic, it says a mega calm came upon the sea. In other words, Peter, who was an experienced fisherman, was saying, I've never seen the sea this stormy. And when Jesus spoke, he said, I've never seen the sea this calm. The sea became like glass. So faith is not a coping, wait for things to pass. Faith is you using what you believe from God's word in your heart, speaking it out of your mouth and telling the devil, you're not going to determine my future. The word of God is determining my future. God gave you a weapon to fight the good fight of faith and to prevail. Listen to me, to prevail in every battle of life. That's what we're doing. These are not just lessons. Something is going into your spirit tonight where the things that used to take you out, now you're going to take them out because you have something on the inside of you called faith. If you receive that, go ahead and clap your hands. Play the muscular dystrophy testimony. Check this. Tanya Smith, and I'm from Sarasota, Tanya Florida. Smith. And I'm from Sarasota, Florida. And I'm excited to share my testimony with you tonight because I know this was already. And I couldn't figure out. I thought maybe he was getting touched by God. But I'm sure that's part of it. But one time when there was a little pause in the testimony, I just, without thinking, called her up on stage. She wore high heels that night. And he leaned over to me and said, that's the first time I've ever seen my wife go upstairs in four and a half years with wet tears coming down his face. You can see. Go ahead. By the um, Lord. Um, I, uh, I was born with muscular dystrophy, a rare form. There's 43 different forms. Um, and mitochondrial disease, which is a genetic defect in every cell of your body. And it progressively gets worse with age. And about 10 years ago, I became dependent on a wheelchair. Um, because using any energy, I would get so physically sick. And then fast forward four years ago, I was so sick that I was totally bed bound. Um, I couldn't stand up. When I did, my blood would pool in my feet, autonomic dysfunction. Um, 
I was in a wheelchair that would hold me up laterally and also with a headpiece to hold my head up. Um, so on IV fluids every day, also life-sustaining medication for organ function. So I really thought that this was the end. And pain, lots of pain, 24 hours a day with no end in sight. Um, so four years, I'm praying, you know, uh, don't know how to get out of this that I'm in. I mean, I love the Lord. I'm a Bible college graduate. I started to pray because I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't sit up for more than a I love the Lord. Loving the Lord's not a, not, not, not a substitute for faith. Loving the Lord actually has nothing to do with it. Faith, faith is not love. These three things, faith, hope, and love, none of them are the same. There's lots of people that love God that are dirt poor. Well, if that Bible's true, how come those Christians don't have any money? Okay, you don't ascertain the will of God by what's happening to people. Otherwise, you'd have to make an, an argument that God loves blessing drug cartels and not old church ladies. What God allows has nothing to do with what God wills. God would allow me to leave here tonight and go rob a quick time. He wouldn't stop me, but he didn't sanction it either. You don't ascertain God's will by what you've seen happen. That's what, if the devil had, has his way, that's what he'll use. Well, I believe that healing's in the Bible, but every woman in our family has had ovarian cancer. Okay, somebody can be the first to say, enough is enough. I'm going to have health and life and strength out of the will of God. You know, but before they play the rest of that, isn't it interesting? Look at him staring at her legs and feet. He stared at her legs and feet almost the whole time because he'd been carrying her to the bathroom and carrying her to the bathtub and carrying her into bed. Can you say amen? Now, there's something... In God's word, that when you find out what, what's yours, there's like a zeal that comes with it where you not only know it's yours, it puts in you a desire to reach out and grab it. Can you say amen? I was preaching. Leave, leave the, the video because I will go back to it. There's a good chance I'll go back to it. Let's be honest. I was preaching in um, Hobart, Indiana, and I was talking about I think I was, I was reading the story about the crippled man that got up and walked. And then um, as I'm preaching on that, I started telling examples of God healing bone deformities and stuff. And this woman got out and rushed out of the service. I didn't know if she was offended or had to use the restroom or what. She was gone. But then she came back in probably four minutes later, holding the little boy. And as soon as I saw her, and you know, I know the look of faith. I know dead religious. I don't expect anything to happen look. And I know that look that I know, I know God, you know, where somebody latches onto the word. So she heard it and decided not just to go, amen, that's true. Okay, if that's true, and I believe it is, then I'm going to do something about it. And she went and got this little boy, and I said to her, I said, when I preached that, did you just get faith to go into the nursery and get that little boy? She shook her head, yes. I said, what's the problem? And he was born, they might have the thing to be able to put up before the end of the night, because I've put it on Instagram several times. He, he was born not bow-legged. I'm talking like if you took his spine on an x-ray, his little legs were like wishbones, bent from the thigh like this. I mean, completely deformed to the point where they had to get special calipers made, uh, measured by the millimeter to break his legs and reset them. But they hadn't broken his legs yet. And so when, I, uh, when she brought him, I said, well, let's pray. And we prayed. 
When he went in the next day to get the calipers fitted, the doctor couldn't get them to screw shut. And he said, this is impossible. These are measured specifically for his legs. They don't fit. So he ran the x-ray. They had about 50% straightened out. And by, by about another three months, they had perfectly straightened out. How many of you were here when my dad preached a couple days ago? My dad sent me a picture. Now, I, I, this, is, this must be one of the blessings of getting old. Because at 42, that happened when I was in my 20s. So at 42, my dad goes back to that church all these years later. And that kid's in the church, 15 years old or whatever, and, and has his old picture. He showed my dad of his legs that were all bent. Now he's tall and strong. He's still in church by one miracle. There is nothing the devil has done to you that God can't do something about it tonight if you'll make the choice to put your faith in his word. If you believe it, can you say amen? All right, ma'am, sorry to cut you off. You were saying. A couple minutes or stand for more than a couple minutes minutes. or stand for more than a couple minutes. And I said, Lord, show me the way to my healing because I can't believe that you would just pick and choose some people to be healed and not others. It doesn't make any sense to me. God actually doesn't pick and choose anything. But today I've said before you. Oh, that who would choose you? Oh, that you would choose. Life is a choice. Blessings a choice. Death is a choice. I don't know if you saw it or not. On YouTube, my wife and I did a message entitled, we, we preached it together. Why did you decide to die before you died? And we use as the text, 1 Kings 17. My son and I are going to eat this last meal, and then together we'll die. She was still alive, and she made a point to die. Well, well this is it. There's not going to be anything that happened. Who told you to not expect a miracle? Who put it in your head that things can't change? And then when somebody preaches like me, the devil does his last little bit of squealing. Don't listen to him. Hang on your money. Hang on your money. That's all I ever say. I want your money. People in the halfway house wouldn't come to hear me preach because a rumor went out in the halfway house that I just wanted their money. When the guy told me, I said, what money? He said, I know. When you were preaching, I thought, we don't even have any money. Hang on your money. No, no, no. I already have money. Had money before I came to Texas. Have money after I leave Texas. The preacher is called to tell people that there is a God who said, no matter what's gone wrong, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. That God hasn't changed. That God's looking for who will say, I'm not going to die. This disease is not going to define my life. I'm going to live in Jesus' name. If that sounds like you, let the Lord hear your hand clap one more time. Go ahead with the testimony. Show me the way and show me right. in such a way so, that I can share. Um, I said, Lord, show me the way and show me in such a way that I can share my testimonies that others might be able to get to that same place of wholeness and healing. And um, <laughs> I turned on Daystar on my husband's day off and we're watching and Jonathan came on. And when he came on, it ignited my spirit and my faith in such a way that I knew that I was hearing the message in a different way, in a new way that I hadn't heard before. It wasn't as the world preaches, but as God, <laughs> thank you, but as God's word teaches, right? And Jonathan showed me that, you know, it's not, um, oh, well, if it's God's will, it is God's will for me to be well. I have been healed. So. <laughs> 
So I started praying a little differently and I started telling myself, I have been healed. I am healed. I am whole. And I kept putting God's word in and I started listening to Jonathan's teaching every day and every night because I could not get enough because I knew that there was truth in the way that he was preaching. And so I said, you know, my body all of a sudden my body started to line up. I started getting stronger. And I noticed that um, one day I was standing up in the kitchen for more than like three minutes. And I was like, this is new. Like, I don't have to go sit down. This is great. And um, so I came across Jonathan on day start in August, beginning of August. So the beginning of September, I started to get some strength and it was up after my bed, sick bed. So, um, so August... So September um, September 19th it was, I went to my muscular dystrophy clinic appointment because I've been a muscular dystrophy patient for years and years. And I've gone to the same clinic for 16 years and progressively gotten weaker and weaker and sicker and sicker. And, you know, there is no cure by man. Um, so it was really a death sentence. I had made out my will. Um, I was that horribly sick. And um, when I went in, I knew that I had gained some strength. But I didn't expect what was coming because the occupational therapist came in. You see a team of people. She checked my shoulders and my hips, which are always weak. And she said, they're five plus. And I said, I don't know what that means. I never heard five plus. That's perfect muscle strength. Thank you. I left out that I was also on a ventilator. Because my diaphragm was so weak that I couldn't take in enough oxygen and I was being poisoned by CO2. So not only IV fluids in a wheelchair, but on a ventilator. Um, So the respiratory team comes in and they do their tests and they said, your respiratory function is above anything that we can imagine. (laughs) They said... They said, we are going to recommend that your doctor take you off your ventilator. Is that okay with you? I said, yes, absolutely. So they, um, they send the doctor in. She does all of her tests with my legs and all my other function and says, everything is five plus. We sat there with so much joy on our face. I said, Jesus, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. A little more. All right, I won't argue with the media team. They've been super nice to me. Why make it more enemies in a day? How many, how many like that testimony? Now, I, I had a guy. Let, let, me show, let me read this to you. Okay, so Romans 4.16 says what? Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. There's another reason to have a care of what the Bible has to say about faith because all these great and precious promises, you know, every few years in the news, they find a homeless guy that died on the street and they found out he actually had like $300,000 in the bank and and, and was living on the street because he didn't know about it. That's Christians. There's all this in your account, but they're inherited. Inheriting the promise is not an outcome of how much you love God, not an outcome of how much you pray, these guys say, God wants you blessed. My grandmother prayed five hours a day. and she li- Yeah, it's not, a, it's not an outcome of prayer. It's an outcome of faith. Because, yeah, but isn't faith and prayer the same thing? No. Prayer is one expression of faith. But you can also pray in unbelief, asking amiss. Let that man, let's turn there. Turn to James chapter 1. 
James 1. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic. James 1, 5. Great job. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone. Who does he give to? Who gives to everyone? Obviously in context, who asks? That's why religion tries to make you feel like you can't ask. It's up to God. Not you. No, he gives to those who ask. Let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone. I like that. Everybody say the giving God. Did you know, I'm not saying this to knock other religions. I'm telling you, the, the other religions would tell you. There is no, go anywhere you want on planet earth. There's no other God that claims to bless the people that follow him. They're like the IRS. Do what I say or I'll curse you. But there's no blessing. Sorry, is everyone here from the IRS? An illustration did not go over well. You know, if you don't pay your taxes, the IRS is going to cause you a problem. If you do pay your taxes, they don't send like a box of cupcakes from Georgetown Cupcakes and say, thank you for paying your tax. No, you do what you're supposed to do and we'll leave you alone. But if you don't do it, then we're going to bother you. That's other religions. You, you, go, you go to the historic site. You go to our, our uh, quarterly festivals or whatever, and the gods will leave you alone. But, but there's no blessing. There's no benevolence. But God is not threatening people. God is saying, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I'm a healer. I'm a blesser. I'm a baptizer. I'm a provider. God is looking not for who to curse. He's looking for who to bless. Can you say amen? So everybody say the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproach. Or fault finding. You know, I'm not preaching on prosperity tonight, but you can't talk about God without talking about prosperity because he's a blesser. Who gives to everyone how? And how else? Well, in this church, we do believe that God will bless you, but some of these people go overboard. You can't go overboard. There's no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man. That's what God has reserved for everyone who loves him. Without reproaching or fault finding. Look at that. That's talking about God. He gives to you without reproaching or fault finding. God's not, you ever hear people start their prayers off? Now, God, you know, I was an alcoholic for 30 years and I know I don't even, no, no, no. God has not only forgiven your sins, he's buried them. He's put them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. He's not fault finding. Can you say amen? And it will be given to him. Continue. Now here's a caveat, only it must be in faith that he who asks has no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. Let not that man expect to receive anything that he asked for from the Lord. Well, God knows your heart, you know. No, no, no. There's a correct way and there's an incorrect way. You can't go to an ATM machine and say, I don't believe in touching buttons. Well, then you're not, the ATM machine's not gonna work. So the Bible says you could literally pray all you want, 
But if you have a hesitation or a doubt on the inside of you about whether God will do it or not, it doesn't say it's going to affect your prayers negatively. It says, let not that man expect to receive what from the Lord? Anything. You, that you can pray 10 hours a day. But if there's unbelief in the mix, nothing's going to work right. But on the flip side, when you clear unbelief out, and you let faith loose in your prayers, then that moment that you pray, the answer gets loose from heaven, and you receive the thing you believe from the Lord. I see you receiving your answer tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that. There's such a good feeling in here tonight. Clap your hands one more time. Your answer, your help is here tonight. Somebody shout hallelujah. All right, so go back to Romans 6. Sorry, Romans 4.16. So the promise is received by what? Faith. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you another thing. 2 Peter 1. Second Peter 1 verse, verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Let me, let me see it in the Amplified Classic. That's all it says in the... Boy, that's a very succinct translation. No, there we go. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, does it say he's going to bestow it? That he's bestowing it? Or that it's already been bestowed? Say something with me. Say all things are ready. That means there's nothing you have to beg God to do. Lord, release your healing here. To, no, no, no. All healing's been released. All blessings been released. There's no begging God. It's all in your account. The price has already been paid. It's all loaded in your account already. You're the one that has to have faith to take it by faith. Amen. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need. For life and godliness. How many things that we need? Now, the more you study the Bible, the harder it gets to pray normal prayers. Because just that verse is going to make it hard to say, Lord, I need. You, I've erased the word need from my vocabulary. Because the Lord, Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. He's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. So then how do I pray? I can't say, Lord, I need money. Lord, I need help. No, help's been given. Money's been released. Basically, the deeper you get in the word, your prayer time just is spent in tongues and then lifting your hands and thanking God that I have all things. Now, listen to the difference in these two prayers. God, I need help. I don't know how I'm going to make it. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't feel any faith on that. That's a complaint wrapped in a religious sandwich. Before you were saved, you just would have went, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Now you said, Father, I don't know how I'm going to make it. In Jesus' name, amen. All you did is put two unbelief buns on unbelief meat. Amen. But now, now that you have the, the, the word, look at even in the example how you'll feel an anointing on this. Father, I thank you that as I head into work today, 
You've given me all things that I need for life and godliness. I have them now. I thank you for life. Not, oh, Lord, I need healing. I thank you for life. I thank you for health. I thank you for strength. Oh, Lord, please answer. No, no, no. I thank you that you've heard me. And your word says we have this confidence that if we ask anything in line with your will, if you hear us, you will answer us. I receive the answer now. I receive all things. That Everything I need is a mother. Everything I need is a father. Everything I I need is a pastor. Everything I need is a preacher. I have it by faith. I take it now in Jesus' name. By his divine power, he has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence. Virtue. Verse 4. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises so that through them you may escape from the moral decay, rottenness, and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed, and become partakers of the divine nature. I want you to close both eyes and lift your right hand and say this from your spirit. I am a partaker of God's divine nature. But even that, how do you partake of it? Everybody say, by faith. Now, let me see 2 Peter 1, 4 in the King James. KJV. Whereby and given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want to get that, I want to hammer that principle into you about faith. Somebody say, having escaped the corruption that's in this world. Now, if you went to a church that preaches differently than me, what's the thing they're going to hang their hat on? Well, those things are true. There is healing. The Bible talks about blessing. But you have to remember, we live in a corrupt world. Yes. People say, and everything in this world has been corrupted by sin. No, it hasn't. There's still one thing that has never been corrupted by sin. The incorruptible seed of God's word. And when that word's in you, the thing the world hasn't corrupted abides in you. You loose it out of your mouth, and it causes you to escape the corruption that is in this world through sin. Say this out loud. I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm a child of God. Somebody wrote me something on Twitter today. They said, um, well, we'll see whether his ministry is true because you can preach that stuff when things are going good. But in times of famine or plague, all his followers aren't going to have any money and they're going to be sick and they're going to want answers. My friend, I don't know how short your memory is, but we just came through a time where they said every hospital bed in America would be full by May 2020, and that if you preached and laid hands on the sick and kept your church open, you would die. But we proved it. God kept us healed. God kept us protected. And God outpoured money and resources from the open windows of heaven of any, for anybody that would stay in faith. Can you say amen? 
That's right. That's why I'm telling you, this does not just work when the Dow Jones is at 35,000 and unemployment's at 2%. This Bible will work in any nation, in any land where the people work it because it's not subject to the corruption of sin. It's not subject to the wickedness of government rulers. It has power over everything that is a power in this world. And that power is working mightily in you. Somebody say, I've escaped. Say, I'm not going to escape. I've already escaped. Back to Romans 4. These are the introductory scriptures on faith. And I'm not rushing through it because now we have another week together. I might, I might just go, go hold eight days on, or nine days on faith. Amen. And let faith just continue to rise. And I'll tell you what would happen. Probably by about day five, people would just start tossing their canes and standing up out of wheelchairs because it hits a point where you realize these things are true. What is, who does the devil think he is? I'm coming. I, I don't need prayer. Jesus already did it. I take it now. So the promises, Romans 4, 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. 17. As it is written. Now, if you'll pay attention to this, Romans 4 through uh, 16 through 20, this is a, an explosion of the depth of faith. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. I want you to say that with me. Say, faith calls those things that are not as though they were. Faith is not denying reality. Faith calls the things that are not as though they are. It doesn't call those things that are as though they're not. That's Christian science. I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer. No, you do. Jesus didn't die for pretend diseases. It's not, you know, all evil's fake and false. No, no, no. There's real evil in the world. There's real demon spirits. We cast one out a couple nights ago. Abraham didn't, didn't call those things that were as though they were not. He called those things that were not. What does Abraham mean? Father of many nations. He began to introduce himself as father of many nations when his wife was barren. Notice this now. God made him believe his word and prove it by speaking the word when it looked impossible. He didn't say, after you have Isaac, start calling yourself the father of many nations. With a barren wife, he began to say, I'm the father of many nations. He believed those things which were spoken unto him, and God counted it as righteousness unto him because of his faith. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. What do you do when there, there's no way out? There's no conceivable way through. If, you're an, if your wife's 90 and she couldn't have children when she was 20, you don't start having kids when you're 90. That, that, that ship sailed. And I'll tell you another thing, everybody picks on Sarah. You, don't start, you can't have a child as a 100-year-old man. They don't have any... If you go to an IVF clinic as a 100-year-old man and say, I'd like to have a son, they'll say, okay, just sit right here. And they're going to call the mental institution. They're going to call your oldest son so he can pick you up and take you back home. They're going to say, he's nuts. 
Can you say amen? So that's, what does it mean? Hope, who against hope, believed in hope. What does it say? That he might become the father of many nations according to that which is spoken. Let me have the uh, Amplified Classic, please. Go back to 17. Let me see Amplified Classic. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Boy, I like that. That's even stronger than calling those things that are not as though they were. Go, go back to the screen before. Who speaks of non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. So you don't say, I'm not sick. You say, I am healed. Because it's not positive confession. It's not just you saying something positive. It's saying what God foretold and promised as if it already existed, and you're mirroring how God speaks. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Amen. Verse 18. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. He never weakened in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was a hundred years old. Say with me, never weakened in faith. When he considered, when he looked in the mirror, he never let sight back him down from what he believed. You know, I was believing this for about three days, but I was looking in the mirror coming out of the shower and I thought, I'm as good as, I'm a corpse. I'm 100 years old. I'm not having no baby. My, my wife looks worse than me. It's over. No, he actually did the exact opposite. He refused. I'm going to tell you something. The devil will give you every opportunity to back up off your faith. Say that positive confession crap all you want. Your bank account's still empty. Nobody in your family owns a car. There's been addiction running through your family for years. This thing's never going to work. They just pay those preachers to get dressed up and say a positive thing to you to get your hopes up. Oh, no. You make up your mind. If God said it, not I'm going to have it. I have it now. I call it now. And let me tell you something. There, there's going to be ample time for people to mock you and think you've lost your mind. But when you're holding Isaac in your arms, everybody has to shut up and lift their hands and say, you serve the living God. You serve a real God. I'm going to tell you, that's what's going to happen this week and a half. There's going to be family members you have that don't believe in this. That when they see what God did through you and for you, they're going to have to lift up their hands and say hallelujah you serve a living God come on if you know that's you tonight do it clap your hands all ye people shout unto God somebody shout hallelujah all right what else we got who never weakened in faith you know I was believing no 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 you need to you're weakening in faith Stir yourself in the Holy Ghost. Faith can, be, faith can wane low, but faith can be built up. 
Paul told Timothy, Timothy, the unfeigned faith that was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice is now in you. That is why I remind you to fan into flames the gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. In context, he's talking about faith, the gift of faith. Don't let it die. Don't ride the wave of revival and then the week after try to, no, 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 no. You can take what God gave you. You can stir it up. You can keep it on fire and you can run roughshod over the devil. Whatever miracles you've gotten so far, whichever ones you're going to get before this is over. That's just the beginning. This is going to put you on a path where you go from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Come on one more time. Let God hear his children. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Somebody shout hallelujah. When he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief. This is the verse right here, my friend. Verse 20. No unbelief or distrust made him waver. Doubtingly questioned. Everybody say no unbelief. Let me ask you a question. When the disciples told Jesus they need more faith. And he said, actually, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and your command would be obeyed. Was he trying to malign receiving faith from God's word? Or was he saying, actually, faith's not your problem. Unbelief's your problem. You have faith, but you need to kick unbelief to the curb. You've got the two spies. You need to get rid of the ten spies that are talking about what's against you. Some of you have, a, have it harder than me. I don't have anybody in my house telling me what I can't do. I grew up and I, you, you saw my dad. I, you know what's interesting? You talk about a, a man of faith. When I told my mom and dad that I saw an angel and the angel called me into the ministry and they took me to Long John Silver's. You don't know what that is. That's a fine seafood restaurant. <laughs> where they coat the fish in a brick of batter and fry it because that fish hasn't been in the ocean since the Lincoln administration. There's another potential lawsuit, but they're just jokes, folks. I said, I saw an angel. And my mom and dad took me to Long John Silver's, just me and them two, and they grilled me from across the table. And I don't blame them because back then I'd wear Batman pajamas and I would make them call me. I wouldn't answer to anything but Batman when I had the pajamas with the cape on. And then when I was in street clothes, I'd only answer to Bruce Wayne. So when I told them I saw an angel, they didn't believe me. Or they at least were going to question me before they believed me. I don't blame them. And then you got to feel bad for my parents because when this was all happening, I was in my early 30s. So I I was eight years old. They took me to Long John Silver's and they sat me across the table and they said, uh, Okay, tell me about this angel. What did he say to you? And they're, you know, I tell them they're nodding their head. You're not making this up. I'm not making it up. Okay, this isn't like Batman. It's, this is re- Yeah, it's real. I had a speech impediment. I had two sounds in the alphabet. Uh, sorry, I had two days a week that I had to miss recess to get eight sounds in the alphabet corrected that I couldn't say. S, S, H, C, C, H, K. You know, there's only 26 letters. So if you can't do eight sounds, that's not a good average. So speaking was out of the equation. Do you know I never heard him say it one time. Now, Jonathan, you got a speech impediment. 
You can't preach. Nope. They had faith. But other people, they don't have that. I told you last week about going to get my haircut at that barber shop. And that lady had three sons with her that she was getting their haircut. And she, the, she, she kept answering for the one son. And then they, she said, he, he, he can't talk. He's never talked. And when I was sitting there, I thought, I'm going to get that kid to talk. So I started, I started mumbling in tongues, sitting in the waiting. You know, it wasn't a Christian barbershop. It was a barbershop barbershop. The kind where not everyone that's coming in is coming in for a haircut. Amen. Would you like to buy a stereo? Sure. Can I get a receipt with that? No. And I'm sitting there and I thought, you know what? If Jesus was here, the light that he had would start to drive out what was in that kid. And I thought, oh, I'm going to give it a whirl. So I just sat there and started, you know, I figured they could think I have like a quiet form of Tourette's or whatever. I don't care. I'm going to start releasing the anointing. And everybody say, release your faith. Well, I believe. It's not enough to believe. You've got to release it. God didn't just tell, have Abraham believe that he could be the father of many nations. He made him start releasing his faith by his words. He was exalted father, Abram, and then changed to father of many nations. So whether it's by your words, Jesus breathed on the disciples and they received the Holy Ghost. He laid his hands on the sick. He anointed with oil. You're going to see all these triggers in the Bible that are expressions to release your faith. That's what the tithe and offering is in the financial covenant. It's an expression of your faith. That's why, have you heard me? Talk about budgets or what we owe or what our payroll is. No, because people aren't supposed to give out of reluctance or response to pressure. God loves a cheerful giver that's born out of faith. You're not giving to help God. You're giving to express your faith to God that I'm taking my money, putting it in your hand, and where I sow, I'll reap. So that, can you say Amen. So that was my expression of faith that, night, that day, waiting for the haircut. I thought, I'm going to do something to release the I'm just going to sit here and believe. Believe and do something. Action, the action of faith. They lowered the man through the ceiling. And Jesus, Mark 2, 5. And Jesus, everybody say, seeing their faith. When that mother ran out and got her son with the bent legs, I don't have to, now do you believe? Oh, no. She proved her belief. Chloe, don't hate me. Look up on YouTube and see if you can pull it. Shambach, 26 miracles. And do the one where he tells it at Rod Parsley's church. Not the one where he tells it at Jimmy Swaggart's church. Because it's better when he told it at, um, at Parsley's. Where he tells the greatest miracle he, he ever saw with A.A. Allen. Seeing their faith. Faith has an action to it. Well, I believe it when I see it. You'll never see anything. It's not how faith works. You don't get to believe after you see it. Any dummy can do that. Calling those things that are not. Don't say what you see. Say what you believe. And what you believe will become what you see if you refuse to waver off your faith. So the devil will do everything he can. So that, that kid had the opposite of my mom and dad. He can't talk. The day will never talk. They said he'll never talk. I was listening to this woman. I was thinking, should be glad there's video cameras in here. Or I would deal with you harshly. You're putting that kid in a prison of disability. He'll ne no one could ever. You're, having a mother like that, you could be healthy and you'd be sick in a year and a half. Did you know, and this is why I'm, I'm pressing this and sweating. Because, and, and with every fiber of my being, trying to give you this out of the word. Because it's not just you on the line. You can lay hold of this tonight 
And every battle you had to fight growing up, your children will never know one of those battles because your house is not going to be an atmosphere of strife and unbelief and the government takes all the money. There's no use you trying nothing. No, no, no. They're going to have a mom and dad that says God makes a way where there is no way. The Lord's hands on your life. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed. You are a blessing. Only takes one person in a family to turn the whole thing around. Can you say amen? amen? How many of you are going to be that person in your family? I've been saying, you know, if you see my daughter, there's a reason she's the way she is. It's, it's, it's a Dallas that did, you know, 90% of the good, but I've kicked in a little good. I've tried to say the opposite of what I've heard parents say to their kids growing up, you know. Wait till you're paying the heat on this place. Why would you say that to an eight-year-old? Just let them be Eight. They don't have to worry about fossil fuels. Be a child. All you do is watch TV. Yes, let them enjoy it. So does your older sister. You don't bother her. She's in her 60s. Amen. All she does is watch TV. There's a time to be a child. They're not supposed to be worrying about anything. You're supposed to take care of that. So, instead of telling her stuff like that, I've just been saying stuff like, hey, Camila. See this nice house we live in? Yeah. You're going to have a nicer house than that when you're even younger. Because God gave mom and dad this house, and he's going to be even better to you than he's been to us. And she'll go, cool. <laughs> and then we've started implementing. I'll tell you, my wife, you know, she's not here, and she's probably not watching because she's doing VBS. Uh, so I'm not saying this to score points with my wife. My wife is a phenomenal woman. I'm not saying that because I miss her or anything. I'm telling you, uh, 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 ob uh, not objectionably, objectively. I need to start playing more Scrabble. <laughs> tell you objectively, she's, you know, one time I heard her preaching, and I thought she was like practicing for an upcoming meeting or something. When I came down, she had notes and a Bible and was preaching to Camila. Camila was tucked into, she sleeps on the couch like, a, like an unemployed 23-year-old. <laughs> she has a room upstairs, but she likes sleeping on the couch just outside of our room. And uh, anyway, I don't even know why I brought that up. <laughs> and I hear Don's preaching. And Don says her Bible open with notes, preaching a message to Camila. Like, like for night, I think she just started off giving her the message and then got like felt the fire of the word and, and stood up and, you know, plus she's Puerto Rican. They're not the most reserved people. Lots of flailing arms and stuff. And I don't laugh because you'll lose your job because there can't be any humor of any kind anymore. But I'm telling you, they flail their arms. I'm married to one. I have nail cuts on different parts of my body. If you, if you tie my wife's arms behind her back, she won't talk anymore. So she starts speaking the word, and then she gets up, starts flailing her arms and preaching at Camila, and Camila's eating it up. Say this with me. Faith, Faith. comes by hearing, hearing by the word. There's only one way faith comes. Lord, give us more faith. You pray that until you're blue in the face. You don't get faith by praying. You can sing songs. Give us more faith, Lord. Goes, That's not how it works, bro. <laughs> say out loud, faith. <laughs> Sorry, I had more to say, but you guys are like pretty great. This church has like a half church feel, half saloon feel. <laughs> say this out loud. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. Why do you think God's blessing these meetings? 
We're not just running. We don't get come here every night and wave flags for an hour and a half and make pulling down stronghold motions. The bulk of the service is given to what? The word. And God honors his word above his name. Word's the foundation. The word demands an audience. God sent his son, but he left his word. His word is what changes people. The poor are having the word preached to them. The word's what lifts people. You can send groceries and supplies to a country till you're blue in the face. Until the Bible conquers that nation, they're going to need more food. They're going to lose it all to corruption. But when the Bible comes in, it starts making reforms like it did to South Korea. You know, after the Korean War, South Korea was dead last. After a certain number, they don't keep track anymore of who's the poorest nation. They're just all bottom. And that's where South Korea was. They were war-torn, no economy. And South Korea had a young man named Young Yi Cho, David Young Yi Cho. No church had 100 people, and there were hardly any churches. And he starts preaching. And the Lord gives him that nation through fasting and prayer and sowing the word. Hits 500, hits 1,000. Then the Lord, he thought at 1,000, he was just going to retire. The Lord said, start believing me for 2,000. Then he hits 2,000. Nobody's got 200 people in their church in the whole country. Trailblazer, 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, quarter million, half million. They would make announcements because they built, how, how many did the, the church see at its height? 20,000. They would, you know, if you have two, a million members and you got a 20,000 seater, they'd make an announcement. If you came to church this week, Please stay home next week so other people can come. Stuff like that. They had a bell up on the platform because when they would say pray, they would say, let's, let's all pray. It wasn't like here where when you say let's all pray, you might as well tell the congregation, everyone squint. You look at the church and say, everybody pray. It looks like somebody said, everyone pretend to be constipated. They'd start praying. Well, you have 20,000 people. You have a whole auditorium, like a hockey rink, full of people praying. The guy did not have enough volume with the microphone to get the service back. So they had a bell that they'd have to ring on the platform, to let everybody know, it, we're done praying now. We're going to go on to the rest of the service. They'd pray for hours. Can you say amen? amen? Do you know Friday of next week, I already had this scheduled. And Pastor Ryan said, why don't we do Sunday through Thursday here? And then move it over Friday. I felt the Lord speak to me to do something in Fort Worth once a month. And so, do you know, we've, we've had it at a ball. Oh, you like it's like Fort Worth. Good. They, um, they, we've been doing it in a ballroom at the Hilton. But this time we're having it at a theater. You know why? Because you have to be out of the ballroom by 11. I'm going to do a regular service. And then we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to have prayer from 11 p.m. till 2 in the morning, where we're going to pray, we're going to lift up God, and if the devil's having a rough year so far in Texas, he better get ready, because we're about to put our foot on the pedal and see every one of his works destroyed in Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel revival brewing in the Lone Star State. I see God's hand moving mightily in your family, in your body. The best is not behind you. The best is yet to come. Come on, if you receive that, go ahead. Take 60 seconds. Let's lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. For he's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. 
The best is yet to come. God's not finished with America, and God's not finished with you. If you believe it, can you say yes? You can be seated. So, you know, uh, what was that scripture ahead? Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. You know that has two meanings? Faith comes by hearing and hearing. You're not wrong if you preach or teach that, that faith comes by a continual hearing of God's word. You know, pastors, other than your pastor, get frustrated because an evangelist will come to town like I was preaching for a friend of mine. This guy comes up as excited as can be at the end of the service. He goes, man, when you preached on faith today, you said that your confession is what loses your faith. He said, I never heard that before. And the pastor's eyes got big. He went, I just finished a six-week series on confession. Everybody say continual hearing. There's things I'm preaching that Pastor Ryan's preached, that Pastor Mike before him preached for years. But for some reason, it hit you tonight. Tonight was the night you weren't on Yelp seeing what's open after 11 to go get something to eat. Tonight was the night that it hit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know, there's sermons of preachers I like to listen to. I'll listen to them again. I'll catch stuff I didn't catch before. There was a seven-minute period in there where our fire alarm went off or, or someone called me from another room and I missed that part of the sermon. You can blank out in the service. So then faith comes by continual hearing, and then that second hearing can also be translated understanding. So a continual hearing of faith is necessary to stay in faith. If I picked your three closest friends for you, I could have you a millionaire full of faith in another two years, or I could have you ready to commit suicide if you let me pick your friends. Because the atmosphere you're around and what you're continually hearing, that kid at that barbershop didn't have a freaking chance in life with that mother. We're we're getting a haircut. We're not his family. If your son does have a disability where he can't talk, shut up about it. What are you embarrassed? He can hear? You dummy. I'm still mad about it. It's been like five years. I'm not over it. Does anyone know a good therapist in the Rowlett area? Because I, I, I may enroll. Just get rid of this once and for all. I, I was thinking that, sitting in that barbershop that day. This poor kid, he's never going to get anything with this dummy. Loosen her unbelief over them. Let me ask you another question while, I'm getting, while my blood pressure is rising. Why would you tell your eight-year-old that likes baseball? You got to be You got to be realistic. You're never going to be a baseball player. Give him a shot. Yeah. He's not an athlete. You ever see John Cruck? Okay, no one's seen John Cruck. Somebody, hey, uh, Chloe, can I get John Cruck Googled and put on the screen? My son, you know, he's not really athletic. Okay, let me show you somebody that was a professional baseball player for a long time. John Cruck, J-O-H-N-K-R-U-K, originally from West Virginia, and you'll be able to immediately tell he's from West Virginia when you see his picture. ETA. You say one minute or pointing to the screen? Okay, I'll keep going. No, I'm not. I'm waiting for John Crook. <laughs> Give me a good picture, and by a good picture, I mean a bad picture. 
Oh, that's a young picture. I'm telling you, you couldn't have been more out of shape. They, they drink in the clubhouse, and they look like they drink in the clubhouse. There's been people that have done, I know that was a long wait for nothing, but I'm only 42. I'll get better. Amen. Yeah, you're going to tell your son, can't be real, you got to be realistic. Why are you talking him out of his dream? Just because you haven't hit your dreams, don't be somebody that breaks everybody. Well, there we go. There's my boy right there. And he played for a long time and started and went to the World Series. Can you say amen? Why are you telling your son he can't play basketball? He's not athletic. You ever see Larry Bird? He's the least graceful athlete I've ever seen in my life. Looks like he should be running an auto zone in Evansville, Indiana. And he was trash talking and hitting threes and, and could play. Why talk your kids down? Why not make your house a house that says something that makes your child realize I've got a champion on the inside of me and his name is Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, it means I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you receive it, shout amen like thunder. Yeah. All right, and if you're watching Mr. Crocker's family, I'm just making an illustration that you did it, you know. You ain't going to do it with a parent telling you what you can't do. You can put uh, the scripture back up. It would say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So the second hearing is understanding. You may have heard something preached 13 times, but the 14th time you heard it was when it clicked in your spirit. And you thought, ah, I get it now. That's why if you're a preacher or a pastor, don't just, well, I've preached on that before. Preach on it again. Oral Roberts said, when you say something for the thousandth time, he said, when you get sick of hearing your own self preach it, people are just starting to get it. Preach it and preach it because they're out of your church six days a week hearing pharmaceutical commercials, hearing about suicide, hearing about depression. It takes a strong anointing and a consistent preaching to let people know I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm a child of the most high God what happens to other people doesn't happen to me because I've escaped the corruption of this world by the divine nature and the precious promises of God I'm telling you that's coming alive in you tonight your families are not going to be the same after today you're going to go where nobody in your family's ever gone you're going to do what nobody in your family's ever done because it's not by might it's not by power it's by the spirit of faith that's in the word of God come on 60 more seconds Clap those hands, all ye people. Give God a mighty shout. Make a joyful noise. Let the devil know. Faith comes by. And that's right. So only a dummy would say, I've heard that before. I've heard the faith message. Well, from the sound of your voice, you need to hear it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. I had somebody get me a, a, a stick, a data stick that has every one of Brother Higgins' recorded messages on it, on a USB drive. So I can just put it in the cell phone charger slot on my car, and it just goes from one to another. I don't have to cue any up. I don't have to look around on YouTube. Just keep them playing. I've heard it. Though. I've heard, I want to hear it again. I want to hear what he knew. I want to hear what he knew out of Romans 4. I want to hear what he knew that, that was packing those tents out having people healed of all kinds of sickness and disease. I want to hear what a man knew about faith that never shut his tent meeting down because there was disease. Unlike these new backboneless losers. 
There's a new disease coming out. When did, when did uh, Kenneth Hagin ever shut his tent down for tuberculosis? When did Oral Roberts shut his tent down for th Those are real. That's a worse disease than COVID. And they actually said, we're going to have tuberculosis night. Bring everybody that has it. We're going to pray and we're going to see God heal them. I want to know what they knew out of the Bible. Because everybody can pretend they know it when times are good. But I'm like that man wrote on Twitter when he tells these people that. But his followers are all going to want their money back when everything goes wrong. Oh, no, my friend. This thing doesn't work just in good times. This works all the time. Abraham was in a land full of Canaanites and Philistines. Nobody served God. They hated him. The Bible says they hated foreigners. Then they didn't like him. They didn't like that he was prospering. Isaac got deported off his own land. But I'm going to tell you something. Faith in God is not subject to the corruption of the world. Faith in God makes the corruption of this world subject to it. That woman had muscular dystrophy, paralyzed from the neck down. But that couldn't override. God's word, God's word overrode what was in that woman's body. I'm telling you, there's something going into you right now called faith. It's going to override every negative diagnosis, everything they said you'll never do, because what they told you is not over the word, it's subject to the word. Somebody shout hallelujah. You know, while I'm on the subject... Even people that say they're, they're anti-faith are, are, are not telling you the truth. Was Jerry Falwell Pentecostal or Baptist? You know, I'm not going to throw you out if you answer right. Was Jerry, was Jerry Falwell Pentecostal or Baptist? Baptist. Do Baptists have an official position paper that they don't believe in divine healing? Yes, they do. When Jerry Falwell's head of his college got sick with cancer, you know what Jerry Falwell said? He called a special meeting and said, I can't have him die. I need him to help me finish completing this university. So we're going to fast for three days and pray for God to heal him. Yeah, it's amazing when people, when people are pushed, suddenly they forget that they're Presbyterian or whatever. And you say, I, I need God. There, isn't it interesting that there's something on the inside of man that in times of, of trouble, reaches out to God. When the 18-wheeler crosses the double yellow line, nobody yells out, Buddha! <laughs> nobody yells out, Muhammad. The atheist doesn't yell out. We're just a collection of cells anyway. It doesn't matter. They all yell the same thing. Jesus. People that have never believed. Let me tell you, if they had a microphone on that submarine that went down, when they realized they weren't going to get it back, I bet you there was some praying. You ever, you ever heard audio from a plane once they thought it was going to crash? People all start calling out to God and Christ. There's something on the inside. Deep calleth out to deep. But what I'm trying to get you to understand tonight is why wait till your plane's going down? Why wait till you're running off the road? Why wait till an 18-wheeler's coming at you? Why wait till you're in a methadone clinic or a drug rehab or a prison? Why not take a perfectly good tonight tonight where you're sober, where you're free, and say, I'm not waiting till I'm in crisis. Right now, I'm calling on the God who makes a way where there is no way. I'm not going down. I'm going up from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. Hallelujah. Because it's already there. 
He's given to every man the measure of faith. It's already there. And the devil tries to bury it with unbelief and unbelieving people. I can't talk. You just tell me and I'll tell him. You know, I've watched my Uncle Ted pray for people. And a lot of times the people that are sick that somebody brings for prayer, this is going to hit. I didn't plan on dealing with any of this. So this is probably going to hit for somebody. The person that's the problem is the person that brings them everywhere. Because they like them being sick. My Uncle Ted will talk to the person in the wheelchair. Tell me what's wrong with you. And the person, but they have, and he'll say, shh, I wasn't talking to you. Then sometimes they'll go to talk over him again, and they'll say, go sit back in your seat. Because they're the problem. They're a human being. Don't answer for them. They're alive. Can you say amen? They're not three. They're 53. So he'll talk to them with dignity. um, What's her problem? No, she's right there. Talk to her. What's your problem? What do you believe in God to do for you tonight? Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? You know, I could show it to you, and I did show it to you last week out of John chapter 5. The man got healed off of his paralyzed mat. The Pharisees told him to put it back down. It's illegal for him to walk. There's people that are close to you that are actually happy that you're in the condition you're in and will get upset if you ever broke through it. So I'm telling you right up front, this remaining week and a half, get ready to make some people madder than hatters, mad as hornets, because they thought they knew the place you belonged. They thought they knew where they could keep you. But I tell you tonight, you're a barrier breaker, you're a line crosser, and you're going to another level because God says, come up higher. Come up higher. You're not an addict. You're not a junkie. You're not a problem. You're a blessing. If you believe it, shout yes. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I will come up higher. Well, I I was sitting there listening to that lady talk and I started praying in tongues lightly under my breath, releasing the anointing. I want to clear this thing out. And all of a sudden, the guy asks a question to the mother, and the son answers. And so everybody in the place goes, because she said he's never talked. So then when he talks, you know, everybody was happy except her. Oh, well, he said a a few words before. You know, sometimes you wish you could just be a normal person. (laughs) But I got this holy ghost on the inside of me. And you start getting reads on people. Oh, sounds like somebody's collecting a disability check. Somebody doesn't want their son to get better. You jerk. You wicked woman. You don't want him to get healed. You lose your extra check. God forbid you have to go work a job somewhere. There's people, and and you know, America's set up for it. America's set up so that people can profit off of your illness. Profit off of your mental problem. But I didn't come here to profit off of your problem. And Jesus didn't come to make money off your problem. He paid for your freedom. Not with U.S. dollars. He paid for it with his precious blood that was shed on Calvary. And I'm doing what God told me to do. I've come here to get this message of faith to you. That whoever told you you can't come up higher, they're going to be very frustrated. Because the last half of this year, you'll go from glory to glory, from victory to victory, and strength to strength. And there's nothing a cotton-picking devil can do about it. I don't hear anybody in here. Somebody say, I'm coming up higher. Yeah, I I refuse. I refuse. I refuse to be like that. 
first uh, report card of this year. Camila got a bunch of bad grades, so she comes in. I didn't know that, but they had just given the report card. I was just, you know, playing video games like a good dad. And I hear him come in on the bottom floor, and Camila's crying, and she's never crying. And I hear Adolf's talking sternly. I said, what are you crying about? Adolf goes, go show your father. So she comes up, shows the report card, and crying. So I figured she didn't get good grades. And I looked, and they weren't good grades. They were bad grades. But I got ready, you know, you just, sometimes, you, just, you know, it's like you get swept into the flow. So I get ready to go, oh, Camille, you, you know what? Who cares? You can read. You can YouTube everything else. I have a feeling we're going to have like three teachers picketing the meetings. You know, I've never heard anybody that said, you know, I have a lot of skills in life, but that first quarter, fourth grade report cards really held me back in life. So she's crying. She hands it to me. I thought, you know what? I'm going in the other direction. So I look over the report card, and there it is. Jim A. So I go, hey, Camila. Goes, yeah. I said, is that an A in Jim? Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. So you were like super good at jumping jacks and stretching? She went, pretty good. So let me tell you something. You're going to be an amazing mover. Thanks, Pa. And Adonis is staring. We have a loft. She's staring up from downstairs like this. Yeah, you can be bad cop. I'll be delinquent cop. <laughs> and she got happy. Why start frying somebody? She did her best. She'll do better next quarter. That's done. Yelling at her is not going to change anything. Got her a tutor for a few subjects. You know, we were partly to blame for pulling her out of school anytime we felt like it to take her on the road to be in meetings. So what are we going to yell at her for? If anything, somebody should yell at me. I'm basically a seven-year-old in a 42-year-old body. I still get excited about going out for ice cream. No, I'm not creating an atmosphere of failure. So we're in that barbershop, and that, that kid talks, and then he talks again. Oh, he, you know, he, he had, I said, hey, you're the reason he doesn't talk. I said, if you'd keep your mouth shut, his mouth would start opening up. And the barbershop was very quiet till I left. I, I can't change, I can't change who that kid's parents are. And I can't change who some of your parents are. That ship sailed. But I can put the seed of God's word in you and make sure that your children never had the parents you have. They're going to have a dad that calls them a champion, that calls them more than a conqueror, that calls them, that calls them the seed of Abraham, that calls them blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when they come in, blessed when they go out. That's what you're going to say. You're going to create an atmosphere in your home that produces champions instead of losers in Jesus' name. I see your family, the whole family, rising higher from tonight in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive it one more time, take 15 good seconds. Clap your anointed hands. Give God a mighty, mighty shout. It's going in the other direction now. Now, now that we talked about the bad, let's talk about the good. So I got my wife preaching faith into my daughter. And she starts having faith. We were preaching in Florida, 
She goes, can I go to Disney World one day? And Adela said, you can go one day, because we hate going. It's the summertime. It's like the... <sighs> Waiting in a two-hour line for a four-minute ride. 97-degree heat with 310% humidity. <laughs> Lord, I'll be a missionary to Sri Lanka. Just get me out of here. <laughs> so Doss goes, you can go one day. So Doss takes her one day. We get back that night, not whining, not complaining. She goes, do you think it'd be possible to go a second day? And Nadas goes, harshly, no. I told you one day. I told you before we got here one day. That's it. She went, okay. Then we had prayer before bed. She made an appeal to a higher power. Her turn to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I think, I mean, you know, Adnan's been teaching her a long time. This sounds like I'm making it up, but it, it astounds me. I thank you that you said your word. We can ask for anything. Even when she got to that part, I saw Adnan's go like this. Uh-oh. I think she threw in a second scripture. I thank you that you said if we delight ourselves in you, you'll give us the desires of our heart. Lord, if you could make a way for me to go back to Disney. Me and my wife, now this isn't good for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can't yell at her. You could tell Donald was trying to find out a way that she could yell at her, but there was no way. You're allowed to pray. I kid you not. I had a partner banquet in Florida the next day. We go to the partner banquet. We're sitting there, and this middle-aged lady comes over and says, uh, Camila's sitting by Adonis. I don't want to overstep my bounds. But she said, I'm in club. What's that secret Disney club? Club 30. Not, not the pedophile human trafficking ring. The, <laughs> not that secret club. The, um, the investor club. Is it club 31 or club 33? Anybody know? 33. Club 33. So you have to have a minimum of $25,000 of stock in Disney to even apply. So a bunch of those buildings, when you go to Disney, that look like they're just facades, they're not. There's private entrances with lounges inside and stuff like that. And then you get to go an hour early and you get to stay an hour late whenever you want. So this lady says, I don't know if you'd be interested or not. But I got a bunch of my tickets from Club 33 where you can go. And, oh, and you get automatic fast pass on all the rides. And she said, I, I brought one for you and anybody you want to take with you and handed them to Camila. And Camila, the look. She didn't, before she even said thank you to the lady, she grabbed the tickets and went like this to my, to my wife. Then after she stared my wife down, held them heavenward and went, thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you thought I used to preach faith strong before, that's why I preach it stronger now, because I've been watching that kid. You know, when you hear testimonies about me getting a plane or somebody giving a million dollars, no matter what, if somebody gives me $10 million, you can kind of write that off, that it's kind of a part of Americana, that people give adult preachers money. There is a segment of faith people that take uh, uh, inordinate amounts of cash and bless people like me for some reason. But there's nothing like that for seven-year-olds. 
There's nothing like that. When people start handing checks to my daughter and saying, or to me on the road, a businessman said, the Lord spoke to me to give $5,000 to your ministry. Then he said, I got a second check. I hope you don't mind me doing this, but I I have a $1,000 check for your daughter who was seven at the time. Let me ask you a question. Where does a seven-year-old cash a $1,000 check? At the liquor store? You can't open a bank account when you're seven. And he made it to her name. So when I've been watching this happen for about four years now of her praying for things and them coming into her possession, you know one thing that she prayed for? My, my in-laws are Puerto Rican, like I told you. In fact, they all lived in Boston. <laughs> and then they came to visit me in Pittsburgh, and I took Adalis' mom to PNC Park where the pirates play. They have a huge statue to Roberto Clemente, who's like in Puerto Rico is Jesus' little brother. My mother-in-law cried when she saw the statue, touched it, took a picture with it, and the whole family moved down after that. I think like it's like the Mecca for Puerto Ricans to be near the statue of Roberto Clemente. So Camila knows that the hero of the family is Roberto Clemente and starts collecting baseball cards. And I go to another meeting. Nobody knows she's collecting baseball cards or what cards she said she won. This guy comes from Tennessee, big firefighter, probably watching tonight. He's a good guy. And he said, hey. For some reason, I was just thinking about giving this to your daughter if she'd be interested. He said, I know your wife's Puerto Rican. When I was a little kid, I wrote a letter to every famous baseball player, and only one wrote me back, Roberto Clemente. And he said, he sent me a signed picture of himself. It's in blue ink. And he said, I want to give it. And he had like tears in his eyes. I mean, that's, that's a serious thing. Roberto's gone. There's no more signed cards coming out. He said, I want to give this to you for your daughter. I came home and gave it to Camila, and she took it, and went, this is awesome, then got an idea. After church, we drove over my mother-in-law's house for rice and pork and and all the great things you eat, all this food I never knew existed. I only knew about casseroles and meatloaf, but there's a whole other world. Amen. We go over there, and Camila goes, hey, hey, uh, abuela, abuela, I have, look what I have. This is a signed card from Roberto Clemente. Her eyes got big. She went, I'm giving it to you. She hugged her. That's on the refrigerator. My picture got taken down, and that one got put up. Amen. I've been watching that kid just turn her faith loose for all kinds of things. I'll tell you one more. She, got, she brought $500 bills with her, which I have no idea where she got those. It's not my business. I don't know what she's doing on the side, you know, just between her and the Lord. She brought, she never told me about it. She brought $500 bills to give. So I'm preaching in Florida. She gives two to the senior pastor, one to his wife, one to the worship leader, that's four, and and, a fifth one to a Bible college student that was there that went to Rodney Howard Brown's Bible College that she had seen before. She said, this is for your school. The next morning at the 10 a.m. service, a family that was not there the night before came in from Louisiana and took $500 and said to me, I hope you don't mind. I don't want to overstep my bounds. But the Lord spoke to me to give this to your daughter. I said, no, go for it. So they walk over, give her the $500 bills. She shook their hand, never smiled, walked over to me and went, got it back. Put it in her pocket. Yeah, she's not giving it away. She's giving it knowing it'll come back to her. Pressed down, shaking together and running over. I'm going to tell you something. That kid... Somebody say childlike faith. Oh, 
Oh yeah, she didn't get a bunch of the, the religious, we don't give to get a man. Well, I don't want the blessing. I just, no, no, no. She read that stuff in the Bible and she didn't say, when I'm older, I'm going to start doing it. She said, I want to start doing it now. Guess what? The ground doesn't care how old you are when you put seed in it. If you put seed, it doesn't care how, if you're in debt. It doesn't care how much you cry. If you put seed in the ground and water it, that ground will produce a harvest. And these laws, you don't have to be in trouble. You don't have to be a certain color. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be a certain age. Whether you're young or old, black or white, or any shade in between, whatever nation you live in, when you make up your mind, I'm going to walk in the laws of faith, brother, those laws will start turning night into day. They'll start moving mountains. They'll start putting streams in the desert. That's what's happening right now for you and your family. That stream is running over your children. It's running over your marriage. Life's not going to finish like it started. God's got great things. All these great and precious, all these great and precious promises belong to you if you'll access them by faith. That's why tonight we take it now. We're not leaving them in the bank account. Turn your faith loose. I'm taking my healing. I'm taking my blessing. I'm taking everything that God has for me. If that sounds like you, jump up on your feet. Take 30 seconds one last time. Clap your hands, all you people. Come on, make a ruckus in here. Oh, sounds good. Make a ruckus in here. Say it so the devil can hear you. I have faith. Not dormant faith. Mountain moving faith. And I'm not keeping it bottled up. I'm turning my faith loose. Now bow your head and close your eyes. That testimony that woman told with muscular dystrophy, she didn't try anything. She said, I just found myself standing in my kitchen. Just like you don't try to get defeated, if you let unbelief loose, it'll bring defeat on its own. If you'll stay in the atmosphere of faith, then the things of God will just start working on your behalf. Your job's not to make it happen. Your job's to believe it and speak it out of your mouth. Every time you feel like saying, I don't know what I'm going to do, you say, thank you, Father, I have the victory. Calling those things that are not as though they were. Speak it ahead of time. And it already belongs to you. Can you say amen? If you're here tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the first exercising of your faith is to turn your back on sin and make Jesus Christ your Lord. Have you ever done that? If you've not done it, I want you to do that tonight. If you've once given your life to God, but you've fallen back into sin. You know, Jesus said, the sin of the world is their unbelief in me. When you stop believing God, it opens you up to sin. In the season when kings went to war, David stayed home. That's when he saw Bathsheba. If he would have kept increasing and believing God for increase and going about increase, he wouldn't have had time for Bathsheba. When you get dormant in your faith, if the devil cuts your, the legs out from under your faith, 
Maybe you're here tonight and you suffered a major loss, a major setback. The Bible says the enemy comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How do you kill something after you, how do you destroy something after you've killed it? Satan uses deaths to destroy people's faith. I used to believe in healing. Then my, my dad got sick. So the devil not only killed him, he used that death to destroy your faith. You might not be able to bring that person back tonight, but you can tell the devil, you're not going to win. You're not going to use that death to destroy my faith. Tonight I got full of the word of God and I'm coming for you. I'm going to take you out. This isn't going to end with you triumphing over my family. I'm going to take a thousand of your captives and set them free by moving in the direction of faith. I'm not going to let a tragedy immobilize me. And there's people here like that. Bankruptcy, loss of a close personal friend, divorce, and the devil used that to deaden your faith. But tonight, faith's come alive in you by the word. No, I'm not, I'm not going to let that define my life. I'm not going to allow my life to be defined by a tragedy. I'm going to define it by faith in God's word. And I'm going to start tonight. I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to surrender my heart. So whether you've never done that or you once did, but after, after an attack, you fell away from God and you need to come back to the Lord tonight. I want you to do what we've seen many people do. If we're not over 100 people have come to the altar to receive Christ, we've got to be close. I want you to join that number. I'm not going to let the devil hit my family with one shot and knock faith out of our last name. I'm coming back. I'm going to lay hold to the things of God. I'm going to turn this ship around by the power of God. If you need to do that tonight, I want you to put your hand up high right now. We're going to pray together. I see your hands. I see your hands. That's awesome. Who else? I see your hands. I see your hands, young man. I see your hand, uh, ma'am. Who else? I need to give my life to the Lord tonight. If God's wrestling with your heart, give in to it. Very quickly, I want everyone who lifted a hand and meant business with God. And like my father said, those of you with more courage, do it first. It'll help those that are more timid. Take your steps of faith. Come out of the, your seat and come and stand at the altar. Right now, we're going to pray. In Jesus' name, come right now. Every hand that was lifted, come. We're going to pray. Come. Every hand that was lifted, come. God bless you. God bless you. Go ahead. To thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Lord Jesus, I surrender before we finish Salvation Altar Call is a great time to leave a service because who gives a crap about these people anyway, right? Just go home. No care for souls. But not me. I'm very glad you're here. 
If you were the only people here tonight, I'd have preached just as hard. Because God loves you. Lift both your hands to the Lord. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And as you pray it, God's not going to make you go to, this is not Subway, where after you come here the 10th time, we punch your card and you get a free sandwich. God will start doing whatever you'd like him to do right now as we pray. God doesn't have a loyalty rewards program. He works by faith. When the thief on the cross said, truly this day, or, or said, I believe you're the son of God. Will you remember me? Jesus said, oh, that's a little quick, isn't it? No, he said, truly this day you'll be with me in paradise. Rahab the prostitute. I don't want to die. I want to be redeemed. Okay. Hang a scarlet cord outside. When you draw near to God, God draws near to you. And when God draws near, every wrong thing has to be obliterated. It can't stay in his presence. That's addiction. That's depression, suicide, fear, poverty, lack. They can't stay in God's presence. And now you're in God's presence. In him we live and move and have our being. Whatever can't stand in front of God can't stand with you. Say this out loud from your spirit. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted. Let me bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless everything that pertains to your life in the name of Jesus. Your housing situation, your money, your health, your mind, your mental acuity, your ability to reason and make good, you know, right decisions, not be swayed by negative influence, carnal influence. I loose that blessing into you in Jesus' name. When you leave this altar, things will be different. You'll never be the same. Never the same. That's, that's the blessing of God. Go right through you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Be healed in your body. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As quickly as this thing came on you, I'm going to go off you now. Thank you for full range of movement, oh Lord. In Jesus' name. I command your central nervous system to be whole. In Jesus' name. Jesus mighty name. In Jesus name. In Jesus mighty name. In Jesus name. Thank you Lord God. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. That's it. Be blessed. Be blessed. How old are you? 5. That's awesome. Be blessed. Be blessed. You know, the way the world is today, 
Father, loose angels around this five-year-old princess. Anybody that has intentions of doing her any harm, drop them in their tracks, please. In Jesus' name. I thank you for your blessing. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. If you would, stay right here for a second. This is Thursday. We have tomorrow night, the finale of round two. Then we go round three, starting Sunday night with me. But Sunday morning, 1030, this church meets in perpetuity till the rapture. So I want you to plug in and make this your church. This is a very welcoming church. My dad was just, and he doesn't dish out compliments uh, much at all. He was just saying what a great, the little that he met Pastor Ryan, what a great pastor's heart he could tell he has. My Uncle Ted was telling me the same thing last night. This is a church to plug into where you can do it with confidence. They're not nuts. There's not, there's not problems here. I don't go to places like that. And if I do accidentally, I leave. So I'm not doing, I don't get commission off of how many new people come to the church. I'm telling you, if you want to not make this a one night thing where you had a good experience with God, then back to normal, then change your surroundings. That's what church is. God can use a good church like this one to counteract six days of negativity and overdrive it out in one day. When you keep plugging back in here every Sunday in the kids ministry and all that, then you'll make new, you make new friends. You make friends that are happy to see you succeed, not jealous that you succeed, that celebrate your success. You'll hear something from God that'll help you keep going. You stay grounded in the things of God. The difference between people that fail and succeed is their church attendance. Some people, they go missing. They, have a, they feel God touch them. They come for a couple weeks and you never see them again. Then they come back eight months later. Man, things aren't going well. Yes, you got disconnected. That'd be like not eating for eight months and going, I feel really weak. Yeah, but if you eat every week, you feast off of the word. Sunday mornings, I'm telling you, there's no chance. Let's say they had me come back in a year. I promise you, there'd be none of you that said, I can't believe you told me to come here every Sunday for a year. It's been the worst year I've ever had. You'd hug me. You'll hug me. Thanks for getting me plugged into this church. It's been the most glorious year I've ever had. I promise you that. That's, what, that's why God made the church. Amen. So make sure I get to see you again and bring your friends. You know, bring people. That's part of the thing with revival. If I invited one of your friends, they wouldn't believe me. But if you tell them, listen, you know, I'm not, I'm not some religious nut. I went to church last night for three hours, and I'm telling you, God changed my life. And he'll do it. You'll like, you'll like uh, this guy. Even if you have to kind of like, you know, you don't really like me that much. You'll say, you like who this guy's preaching about. You can at least say that. And, and God, God will use that guy to get his power to you, and he'll help you. And when they hear it from you, they'll come. And that's, how, that's what happens with revival. People get touched. People start bringing people they know. And then before you know it, the devil's on the run. Clear out of here into the Gulf Coast. Amen. And that's what we're doing. I'm so glad we're going. How many appreciate? Pastor Ryan's the one that brought it up to me. How many appreciate a pastor that actually likes being in his own church? Amen. Let him hear your hand clap. It's a good guy. Well, I'll give you one more thing. My website is RevivalToday.com. If RevivalToday.com. If you go there, the biggest, most prominent button says, I just got saved, which is what you just did. If you click it and fill it out, um, because that way I have your, your address to send it to. I can't sit in a room and pray in tongues and ask God to 
tell me your name and address. If you fill out the whole thing, I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. And that's all free. No, no strings attached. You don't ever have to hear from me again. That's just to help you because I want to see you. Just like I'm standing with you right now, I want to high five you in heaven. We made it. Amen. And then, so that, I want to facilitate that. All right. I love you. Welcome to the family of God. You can go back to your seats. Give them a great hand clap as they do. Come on, make them feel welcome. Give Jesus an even bigger hand clap. You can be comfortably seated. I'm going to receive the offering now, and then we're going to line everybody up for prayer. And the prayer is going to be a laying on of hands for the impartation of the, everybody say, the gift of faith. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 4. Thanks for all the help in the media booth with the scriptures and everything and finding a picture of John Crook. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. How many of you have been blessed tonight? How many know your, your house is going to start to be an atmosphere of faith? I'll talk about, maybe tomorrow night I'll preach on the atmosphere of faith. Atmosphere is important. You can foster a place of miracles and you can foster a place of trouble. There was a famous comedic actor. I won't say his name because my well, the stuff I say gets back to everybody now. And I'm not trying to knock him. But he was the funniest guy on film. Then he did this one movie. And uh, my uncle, that's a, one of my uncles that's a preacher, I was living near him at the time. He said, did you see that new movie by so-and-so? I said, I haven't. He said, I had to shut it off. Not because it was filthy or anything. He said, it has an unclean thing on it. And it was about, it was a movie that this comedian did kind of to branch out. And it was on mental problems. And after he did it, he started having mental problems. How about, um... You know, and again, I'm not, I hope this doesn't get like, I'm not saying this. I'm sad this man's dead. So I'm not going to say his name because I'm not trying to trash the person. You know, you do a role where you play a villain and to get ready for the role, you just sit in a dark room and watch movies about serial killers for nine months. Then you kill yourself after because you can't be in an atmosphere like that and it have no effect on you. Well, just like there can be a negative atmosphere, you can make a different atmosphere of joy and praise and singing in the word. And not only is there no depression there or suicide, there's a spirit of faith and victory. So you can actually find a way to take what's in this room and replicate it in your house by what you play on the TV. If you put Daystar TV on at night, late at night, they play those like soothing landscape videos with scriptures over it, and then somebody lightly playing like anointed songs on the piano. My wife le leaves that on at night for when her and Camila go to sleep. It's as if they sleep out together on, on the couch or she falls asleep next to her on the couch. I told Jonathan Lamb that's, that's running Daystar with his mother right now, you know, and I'm sarcastic. So you can, if you're sarcastic like me, one, one of the many downsides. 
is anytime you go to compliment somebody, they think you're making fun of them. And say, hey, nice haircut. Shut up. No, you actually have a nice haircut. So I said to him, I said, you know, because you, you would think it's going to be a joke. I said, you know that, that stuff you play late at night with the soft worship music and the waterfalls? On? He went, yeah, that's just uh, you know, like defending it. I said, no, no, no. I said, that's anointed. I said, I'll walk through the room and I feel the presence of God on that. I said, I bet you you have thousands of households that leave that on every night to go to sleep. Because there's no way. You wouldn't need the, the Lunesta radioactive butterfly to land on you so you can go to sleep. Well, I told you I'm going to probably preach on it tomorrow night, so no need to preach on it now. People have such little regard for the anointing. You can actually foster. Maybe it's just me thinking my notes out loud for tomorrow night. Where was Samuel sleeping as a boy? Where was Samuel sleeping as a boy? In the temple. And because of where he chose as an atmosphere... What did he hear at night? The voice of the Lord. Was he trying to hear it? No more than I was trying to see an angel when I was eight. But you got two Pentecostal parents that are in there reading the Bible and praying in tongues all the time. It creates an atmosphere that's different. There's going to be people here that your house, after these revival meetings finish, and I mean like beginning tonight, your house is going to have a totally different feel to it. Did you ever get invited over somebody's house and you could feel they had been fighting? You can feel it. You can feel anger. You can feel strife. You can feel something's off in this place. Well, you know, the same way that you can have an atmosphere of strife and division, you can have an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost in your home. It's your choice. Yeah, if I were you, I wouldn't leave on HBO at night. Paramount Plus, whatever. I'd have stuff coming out the speakers and on the screen that fosters the anointing. Next thing you know, your brain is thinking different thoughts. New business idea. New revenue stream. Because you're in the Holy Ghost. Who's the spirit of creation. Amen. But that's not for tonight. Acts chapter 4. Verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now, what happened after the building shook and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost? All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. I mean, you know, these preachers in Texas talk about how God wants you to have money, but how do you know the early church was poor? Oh, yeah? There were no, What does it say, uh, uh, Amplified Classic? Rested richly upon them all. Continue, 34. How many know the early church was poor? Oh, yeah? What does Acts 4.34 say? How many destitute or needy people were among the early church? Not one. The early church was born. No, you're illiterate. <laughs> Your reading comprehension's poor. 
You don't need to be a scholar to interpret that sentence. There were no destitute or needy people among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses proceeded to sell them, and one by one they brought and gave back the amount received from the sales and laid it at the feet of the apostles. When the Holy Ghost moved, people got this feeling that what they owned. Now, let me just, can I preface everything I'm saying with this? Last week's offerings were supernatural. Do you think I'm preaching this because like offerings have been garbage and I'm going to try to make up for it on Thursday and Friday. You're wrong. There's something that accompanies revival. One time Lester Summerall said this and one time T.O. Osborne said it. And in both meetings where they said it, about 40% of the pastors got up and left because they didn't want to hear it. Lester Summerall told the missionaries, if people aren't giving, you're not having revival. They like, ah, what does that have to do with anything? No, we go back to America and raise our money. No, when people are touched, they give. They felt that what they own, you know what? This isn't mine. This is something God entrusted me with, and I have a responsibility to the kingdom of God. They didn't have to teach. They felt it when they got filled with the Holy Ghost. I told you we had some, a lady flap and give us a million dollars. That was the second time we received a million dollars. The first time I was preaching in a church that we had 137 people on the opening service and we closed with 197. So it grew, but it was under 200 people at its highest point. And when we finished, they said, would you like to know what the offering was this week? I said, sure. Give me the bad news. They said 1,084,000 euros and the euro was stronger than the dollar. And I don't know, it might still be. I said, do you have the children's church count the offering or do you have adults count the offering? And I wasn't kidding. There's no way a million eighty-four came in. They said, no. I'll tell you what happened. They said, do you remember that lady that got saved on Wednesday night? She came forward very briskly and slid on her knees at the altar and cried her eyes out. I mean, you don't have to cry. But so, actually, some people, they need, to, they need to cry. I said, yeah, I remember because she got saved pretty dramatically. I said, well, she had left her husband for another man. And when she left the altar, she broke up with her living boyfriend by text message. Then went straight to her husband's home, rang the doorbell, and when he opened it, his wife, who wouldn't contact him, was kneeled down there crying, saying, please take me back, I'm so sorry. So this man in Europe that doesn't go to church said, what in the world happened to you? He said, you wouldn't even return my text messages. Now you're here on your knees begging me to take you back? What happened? She said, oh, a friend of mine invited me to a church service, and this American was there, and he was yelling and yelling and yelling. <laughs> and she said, the more he yelled, the more I realized how wrong I have been. And so I, okay, I, I, I repented to God, and now I come and say, please take me back. I'm not, I already broke up with the guy I was with. He not only took her back, he came Thursday and Friday to see who this American was that yelled at his wife for him. And on the last night, the Lord gave me a word. I actually had a different offering message ready. And I did Malachi 1, 6 through 10. I took about six minutes, and three of that was the interpreter. Where God said, how I wish you would bolt the doors of the temple shut so I wouldn't have to look at these worthless offerings. You're giving me blind goats and diseased sheep when I told you to give me the best. So I said, 
Everybody tonight has a responsibility to give the Lord an offering of honor at your economic level. I said, you have to know in your spirit what that is, but a business owner should not be giving the same seed as a single mother. I said, ask the Lord what you owe him to say thank you for something he's done in your life. That guy never came to the altar, but he made up his mind that he owed the Lord a million dollar seed, million euro, to say thank you for giving my wife back. He had developed one of the top 10 apps in the world. I can tell you the app, but then I want people looking him up or giving him a hard time or knowing his business. And he put a million in, and I thought, well, they're probably not going to let that amount of money out of the country. There's going to be, there's a million ways this is going to not make it to America out of Europe. But it cleared. When it cleared, I know they say money doesn't make you happy, but I got super happy. <laughs> when your bank account goes from 20,000 to 1.1 million in one hour, like you hit the refresh button, You know, people say dumb stuff. Money, you can't buy happiness. No, but it can buy ice cream, and ice cream can make you happy. Amen. <laughs> you know what it's like having a million dollars in the bank? I'll tell you. You go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and they say, would you like ranch or blue cheese? You say, I'd like both. And they say, that's a dollar extra. Say, no problem. When you go to Taco Bell and say, I'd like a, a sour cream on my chalupa, and they say, it doesn't come with sour cream. You say, I know, but I'd like it. They say, that's $1.79 extra. You say, that's okay. <laughs> Amen. That's what you can do with a million dollars. You can start putting extra condiments on your fast food. I know, it's like listening to a Dave Ramsey up here. Yeah, world change. There's something that happens in revival that's interesting. You know, let's just, let me just get, get this off my chest and I'll leave you alone. Because this, this means something to me. There's a freedom with money in the Holy Ghost, and then money starts flowing in the Holy Ghost in revival. There was no needy people. The Holy Ghost knocked poverty out of the early church. So Lester Summerall told the story. Anybody ever heard of Lester Summerall? Anybody ever heard of Oral Roberts? Yeah, it's more than a baseball team. It was a person that they named the baseball team after. So Oral Roberts held a crusade in South Bend, Indiana, where Lester Summerall was the pastor. This is in the 60s. Lester Summerall chaired the partner meeting for Oral Roberts partners there. You know, there was no email or Facebook, so you had to go through a pastor. So he said, okay, I'll facilitate it where you can have thousands of people, many of them were from his church, come and hear you. So he pitches his vision about the city of faith and the praying hands and the prayer tower and then says, I want everybody, this is in the 60s. Anybody own a home in the 60s? Do you remember what your mortgage payment was in the 60s, roughly? What? $165 a month was his mortgage payment. Thank you, Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> Bang up job you're doing. So that was a house payment back then. So when I tell you that these people pledged to give $10,000, that's not now. That, that would be what? That would be 70 house payments? How much was the house? 20,000, 40,000, 19. So it's half a house payment. So it'd be what? It'd be the equivalent of somebody giving like a quarter million now, 180 in there. So Oral Roberts gave an appeal. Check this out. I want everybody that's going to pledge to give to come to the altar. And he said, hold up a finger on your hands of how much you're, how many thousand you're pledging to give. 
Lester Summerall said, I watched as my whole church came to the altar like this. And he said, well, that's great. I'm happy for Brother Roberts, but I'm going to resign my church tomorrow because he took all the money out of South Bend. And he wasn't joking. I'm glad. I'm glad they're going to give to you to build the thing. There's no money left for me to do anything I'm doing here, so I'm out of here. And he was serious because there was, you know, and a lot of people still believe this. Many people believe in ministry there's a pie. And if you have a missionary come in and they take two-thirds of the pie, then you have one-third of the pie left. But with God, there's no pie. There's unlimited resources from heaven. You know what's interesting? That, that story I told you from Europe, there was nobody in that church that had the capacity to give a million. So the Lord worked a series of events where someone came in from that nation to drop a million off to pay for the crusades we were doing like the one we, we played last night. Can you say amen? Say God is an unlimited God. Okay, so... Lester made up his mind he's going to resign his church in the South Bend, but then he, made, he, he, he told the Lord one thing. I'm going to take the offering up front on Sunday morning. I'm going to have the ushers count it and bring me the total. And then when I get what I know it's going to be, 91 cents, $3, because everybody gave all their money, I'm going to resign. I'm, I'll announce that I'm resigning the church. He was not joking around. So he takes the offering, tells the ushers to count it and run them the slip up, and they sing some songs. And he said the usher came up crying. And when he was crying, he thought, well, I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it was going to be so bad to make the usher cry. But he got ready to look and see the bad news. And the slip of paper said, we are going to need a day to count it. It's the largest offering we've had in the history of this church. Can, can you put Ephesians 6, 8 up on the screen? Knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, King James. Knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he's bond or free. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. That means it works no matter what position you're in. Whether you're a fry cook or own your own country club. Whether you're in prison or out of prison. Paul got blessed as a prisoner. Okay, I guess I was too mean to the media team. Now they're boycotting the things. It's fine. I brought it on myself. Say this, what I make happen for others, God makes happen for me. King James, if you don't mind, I'm not trying to push my luck. Knowing this, whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he's bond or free. How many of you saw when I told my dad, what time's your flight leave? He said, 5.30 in the morning. I got to be up at 3. I said, not anymore. I got you your own plane at Love Field to take you back home without any connections at 64. He's my dad. You know, the next day, somebody that didn't see me do that from another state said, I was praying today and the Lord spoke to me. Find out what Jonathan paid for his jet ride down and back and, and send that. That amount. And then when they told him what the amount was, he sent more. Sent like seven grand more. So I got exactly back what I sent my dad home plus money. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. So I said all that because the offerings last week were supernatural for our ministry. I got, I got the tally yesterday. Then Pastor Ryan pulls me aside and he told me this privately, so I'm not going to say anything publicly without checking with him. That last week in just taking the Wednesday, did you even take a Wednesday night offering? Just Sunday morning. 
It was the record income for church, for church in the city since he took over for his father. Wow, that came in just like, and that's why it reminded me of the Brother Roberts thing. That Brother Roberts got his money to build Oral Roberts University in the city of faith and the prayer tower. And God said, oh, you're going to allow that to happen for him, Lester? Then I'm going to, you're not going to suffer at your church. I'm going to give you the most. If you get involved in my work, I'll make happen for you what you could never make happen for yourself. So everybody wins in an offering. That's why Brother Shambach used to sing that song during the offering. You can't beat God given no matter how hard you try. Because everybody wins in an offering. I'll tell you one, because I'm a pastor too. I'm not dressed like one tonight. Because tonight I'm an evangelist. I've told the story. We had higher level people in our church. That when Jesse Duplantis came to our church, decided to sow 90% of their month's income into his ministry. Reverse tithe. Believing for a breakthrough in their business. Now, if I was a normal pastor... I'd have said, uh, oh, well, you know, great. Brother Jesse came and took all the money out of our church. Let me ask you a question. If the Bible says when someone gives, their, gifts come, their gift comes back to them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, then if someone gives to an evangelist, and I'm the pastor, the evangelist gets that offering, but then the multiplied blessing comes back on the person, and they're at the church giving all the time. Can you say amen? That's exactly what happened. They gave 90% of their month's pay to Brother Jesse, the next week, they fired the guy on the board of directors that was trying to fire them over the mandates and, and put him on the board of directors seat, which came with a massive pay increase. And so Brother Jesse left with a huge offering. And our church, well, I played the video enough. Then we got free land, 24.8 acres. Why did somebody turn down an offer from a hotel development chain and say, no, we don't want your millions of dollars. Instead, we're just going to give it to this guy that we heard preach. Why? If I didn't know what the Bible says, I just went, man, I'm getting lucky. But there's no luck. There's spiritual law. If you give, you will receive. But you don't receive what you gave. Your good comes back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. That's going to be your story in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.